Yo, yo, yo. Welcome back into another edition of Jake's Takes. I am your host, Jake Masucci, and today we got an emergency podcast. That's right, an emergency podcast today. We have some big NBA news to talk about. We're switching back into the NBA for the first time in a while, which I'm super excited for. I am bringing on my guys, AJ Masucci and Matt Griffin. They're here to talk about some NBA. Damian Lillard got traded to the Milwaukee Bucks, and we got to go through every aspect of the deal. I called both of them and was like, let's do a short little podcast. I mean, like 20, 25 minutes. And those two were so excited to be on the show, and we went an hour. It was the it was a long podcast and it was a lot of fun. Huge podcast. Uh, we talked about we really went deep in this trade and it was a lot of fun to do. I wasn't really in the NBA mindset yet, but this trade has got me so excited for the NBA season and uh, this was a lot of fun. So I'm gonna get the episode started. So sit back, relax, and I'm gonna cue the music. Welcome in to Jake's Takes. This is an emergency podcast today. I mean, unbelievable news that we have. Damian Lillard has been traded to the Milwaukee Bucks, and I had to get on two of my NBA guys that I'm super excited to have back on. I got on AJ Masucci and Matt Griffin. So guys, how are you? We got some crazy news. I'm pretty good. Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm fired up. You know, basketball talk is back. It's been a lot of football, football, football. So it's nice to finally get the brain flowing about some round ball again. I got a big test tomorrow, and this put a big dent into my studying <laughs> plans that I actually had, which isn't isn't normal for me. That's how you know it's an important test. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm excited. It's cool. It's good to, to start thinking about basketball. We're less than a month away, which is pretty unbelievable from from the season returning. So I'm excited, man. This is This is – it's a fun time. Yeah, I had a quiz an hour after this uh, news broke, and uh, the quiz did not go quite as well as I hoped, and I will blame the trade for that because my mind has been racing ever since the trade trying to figure it out. It totally changes the landscape in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. Not quite as much in the West, but definitely in the Eastern Conference, and uh, I'm excited to get into it and uh, talk some ball. Talk, finally, it's time to start talking about a real sport again. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I don't know if football is like, I like football, but I'm very happy to have some basketball. It's, it gives you some diversity, you know, like exactly. talk I'm, about some other stuff. I'm tired of QB sneak discourse. Like I just want to <laughs> talk about, you know, a real game. The or, or Taylor Swift, Taylor Swift discourse. Or well, ta- actually, yeah, uh, I'm done. Yeah. I'm, I'm good off of that. I'm good off of Jared Goff contract talks like just let's get into the nitty gritty, man. What's what's our tops about to be done? What's the Pistons rotation going to look like? You know, a month from is now, Killian like, Hayes gonna, is Killian Hayes going to is Killian Hayes phased out? <laughs> is Killian Hayes getting phased out? Uh, does the fact that Damian Lillard now has to play Killian Hayes four times a year instead of just two like is that going to impact <laughs> his numbers at all? It's a lot to think about. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So let's just get right into it. Let's talk about the details. So the Bucks in this trade only got Damian Lillard. Uh, looking at what the Blazers got, the Blazers got Drew Holiday, DeAndre Aiden. Uh, I'm not going to say his name right, but it's Tomai Kamara, I think. And then a 2029 unprotected Bucks first, a 2028 Bucks pick swap, a 2030 Bucks pick swap. And then the Suns got Nurkic. Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. So that's the trade details right there. Let's first talk about what this means for the Bucks. I mean, just put it – so, Matt, I'm going to start with you. Put it to me, like Damian Lillard moving to the Bucks. How much does this impact the Bucks going into this year? Does this make them clearly a championship favorite? Uh, I think, to me, this moves them – above the rest of the East, probably. 
I would say, obviously they lose Drew Holiday and Grayson Allen, who both played a lot for them. Drew Holiday, you know, an all-star level player, I think. However, Damian Lillard, to me, is a pretty big upgrade over Drew Holiday, despite how, you know, highly you might think of Drew Holiday. Dame is one of the six or seven best offensive players in the league, probably, just off the top of my head. Um, you know, he's he's been a one-man wrecking crew for years, kind of, in Portland. As the focal point of that offense, you think about what he's good at, how that complements Giannis, and it feels like it's perfect. It feels like it fits like a glove. You've got Giannis and Brooke Lopez, two defensive player of the year level guys behind him to make up for some of the deficiencies that Dame may have on defense. Uh, Milwaukee has at times struggled in the playoffs against really elite defenses. It feels like they, they're really prone to bogging down, maybe a little bit because Giannis isn't quite the number one offensive option that like the top, top teams generally have as far as like a Luka or a Jokic or a Steph. You know, he's obviously great, and an incredible scorer, an offensive rebounder, et cetera, et cetera, and a very good positional passer, but not probably quite on those guys' level. Now you have another guy you know, in Damian Lillard that can legitimately take over games. Another guy that can relieve so much stress off of Giannis and Chris Middleton. Um, it gets late in the fourth quarter. You're no longer, you're, you're just so much more versatile, I think, with Damian Lillard. You think about what Dame wants to do. He wants to, If he wants to run a lot of high pick and roll, good news. They have Giannis, who's maybe the best play finisher in the league, rolling for him. Um, you know, it, teams like to trap Damian Lillard. Like, that's how good he is. They will trap him at half court. You can't really do that. You can't leave Giannis in. Chris Middleton and Brooke, like in a four on three, that's not going to work, you know? So this, this really opens up a lot of doors, I think for the whole team, not just Dame or just Giannis. I think that this makes them, you know, they're pretty much no matter who you have at guard, they're going to be a, a really high level defense. Cause they do have Brooke and they do have Giannis. I mean, this just opens the door for what they could be offensively. I mean, it just pushes the ceiling so, so much higher to me. I, I agree. My first thought, my initial thought was, uh, the Giannis Dame pick and roll might be the best play in basketball this year. Um, maybe, maybe the only play that can probably top it is uh, Jokic touching the basketball. Um, but that, I mean, those two with the spacing that they have around them, it's it's going to be awesome to watch. Like Damian Lillard, he's not only just like a shooter, but he's like he can shoot from deep. He extends the court. He gives Giannis so much more room to work off of. Hopefully, we get to see some like Giannis like. Um, Embiid type like uh, handoff game with Dame. I think that would be really fun to watch. We didn't really get like there's never been a big that uh, Dame has gotten a chance to do that with. So hopefully we get to see that a little bit more. Um, my I do really really worry about their defense though. Um, they have zero perimeter defense on this team. Chris Middleton has just gone further and further back from playing defense uh, ever since this recent injury that he had. They do have the two of the best paint protectors in basketball in uh, Brooke Lopez and Giannis. But, I mean, Damian Lillard can't guard a rock right now at age 33. Uh, Malik Beasley, who I think will probably be their starting two, or Pat Connaughton, who's all right, but he's no, he's not a stopper. Drew Holiday is the best perimeter guard defender in basketball right now. Um, mm. In a superstar in a superstar capacity, he's the best perimeter defender. Um so I really worry about their defense, especially in playoffs. But then I look in the East, and there's not a lot of dynamic guards that they're going to have to go up against. I mean, you have to go up against maybe a Tyrese Maxey or uh, the two from Cleveland, uh, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell. But I think hey. that they would still be too talented to so that they would be able to overcome um, in other spots their offense. At this point, then they'll just go outscore them, and the paint will still be sealed off with Brooke Lopez and Giannis. So I'm really excited to see how that works out. Um, but I'm really excited to watch this play out is really what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I to just, add... Go ahead. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, no. I I just wanted to add to this point. Like, the thing with uh, the Bucks that I'm so excited to see is, like, Dame just brings an offensive level that's going to be huge for both Middleton and Giannis, because now a lot of that offensive pressure is off them. So Giannis might be even more efficient, which is which is unbelievable to say because he's already one of the most efficient stars we've seen in a long time. And then you add it to Middleton, who seems to have stepped off a little bit since the injury, but having less pressure on him to create off of the pick and roll or things like that is probably going to help him also. And then, I mean... Looking at the rest of the team, like you could say, yeah, I mean, a lot of defensive pressure is on Brooke Lopez or Giannis Antetokounmpo, but I think you will see guys like a Jay Crowder step up in a uh, perimeter role, which might help them. He's shown it before. He might be a little older now, so it might be a big ask for him to do it again. 
But um, I'm sure you're going to see the Bucks be really active, especially at the trade deadline. If that if that defense continues to be a struggle for them, trying to find a wing defender. But overall, I'm just really interested to see how Dame impacts their offense because we've never seen the Bucks like even in their championship runs, they their championship run, they didn't have like a top tier number one offense or anything like that. You didn't see like the pick and roll and all that stuff. I think we're going to see a lot more offensive ways that they can attack people, which is really going to be interesting. Overall, I'm truly excited. But Matt, continue with what you were saying. I just wanted to mention, uh, AJ talked a lot about, and, and you just mentioned it there too, a little bit like the concerns around their perimeter defense. They not only lost Drew Holiday just now, but Javon Carter left the team um, in free agency, went to the Bulls. That is a concern for sure, especially to start the season before we see how things get to rolling. But it feels like you can find like a backup guard that can really hound guys at the perimeter of attack. Like it's not the toughest, like you could go out and get like a Jordan Goodwin or somebody like that, um, probably relatively cheaply. And and like not to like a Dennis Smith Jr. Like just somebody who is a staunch defender who's going to harass a guy at the point of attack, who's going to navigate screens really, really well, make things easier for Brook and Giannis. Obviously, those guys aren't quite Drew Holiday, but I think that that could, you know, finding a guy like that might be important for them to minimize the impact that, you know, losing Drew and Javon Carter could could, you know the problems that that could create. Um, so like, yes, there are problems, but I think it's easier to solve that problem than the problem that not having a guy like Damian Lillard could create, or like, you know, it, it just, it weighs so much what Dan can do offensively. I mean, he was over 32 a game last year on like 65 yep. true shooting. Like that's ridiculous. They're, the Blazers offense was the best in the league last season when he was on the floor and that team was not good at all. Like he, he really is a, a near transcendent offensive player. Um, the, like to me, they're, a top two team in the league relatively easily for me. Like, I don't have to think about it a ton. I think that he adds that much. Um, not to say that they didn't lose, you know, some depth with Grayson and obviously Drew, but he's just such a good player, man. He he really is still so special. He's still in his prime. Um, and I'm excited to see him play like meaningful basketball again. I, uh, I agree. I think that at the end of the day, if I'm the Bucks, I would do this trade. Uh, probably 10 times out of 10 easily yeah uh, especially with the, all the Giannis rumors that have started to pick up and the pressure that he's really putting on the organization and props to Giannis for doing so uh, I do have that concern of the perimeter defense but as Matt said you could find somebody especially when you have playing time to offer that helps right. a lot as well because um, they do have that fifth starter spot that uh, they could really use but like um, and also fun stat that I heard earlier uh, last year uh, Damian Lillard was number one in the league in offensive EPM, which is like estimated players points. I forget what the M stands for. But estimated plus minus. Yes, estimated plus minus on offense. So he was, and that, that's not the end all be all, but he was number one last year. He was number three the year before that. And the year before that, he was tied for second with James Harden. So he is, and the number one pick and roll ball handler in the league, like the last four years has been Damian Lillard. With uh, Nurkic, dude. With Nurkic, who we'll get to later, but he's not good. He can't catch – Nurkic can't catch the ball. We'll get to Nurkic later, but Nurkic <laughs> legit can't catch the ball or finish. Like, yes. he's one of the worst, <laughs> like, role partners you could even imagine. So uh, I'm – And now he's so with I think offensively, this folds them into a, really a different caliber of team. And, uh, I mean, I'm just excited for him to be on an actual team again that is has a chance to win this is really the first time in his career where he's gotten a chance to win a championship like been on a team that's been considered in that light and uh i do think i'm I'm still between them and boston to win uh the title the win the eastern conference but i mean i also think that boston they're just they're so loaded they're so loaded from yeah, top to bottom sure. but i i think damian lillard and Giannis Antetokounmpo are better than anybody on the boston celtics so i would at the end of the day i would give the tiebreaker to uh, Milwaukee and when you are able to do that I think you do this trade 10 times out of 10 even though you gave up a package for him. yeah I mean to add on to that I wanted to ask uh, one more thing before we move on in the trade like is there another team besides Boston that you think could compete with them on a playoff stage next year I think I think two teams would have a chance in the Eastern Conference. I'm only talking Eastern Conference. They're yeah. only going to play one Western Conference team, and obviously that team's going to be good enough to most likely will be good enough to compete with them because they just won three consecutive playoff series, so they're playing at a really high level. Um, but I would say Cleveland has a shot. I don't. I wouldn't favor Cleveland, but I do believe that they have a shot. I think they're going to have a big regular season year, as I think we'll talk about in a, a couple episodes from now when we preview the season a little bit. But 
I'm I'm high on Cleveland. I think they have a real shot. I love the Max Drew signing. That's going to give them all the spacing in the world. And if Mobley can hit just a couple threes to keep the defense honest uh, and give them really four shooters to spread out the team a little bit, uh, I think they'll have a real shot to do it. And then I also believe that um, Philly will have a shot. I I don't know. I don't. I don't love the Giannis mat or the Joel Embiid matchup for them, but I love Joel Embiid guarding them. Now, maybe not quite as much with Dame, but I think they're still one move away, and we'll get to that in the potential uh, Drew Holiday trades. Spoiler alert, or a little teaser alert here later. But I think uh, if they get Drew Holiday, I think they'll be a a really good matchup. Would be uh, Philly versus Milwaukee. All right, Matt. Who do you think in the East is going to be yeah, contending? I don't, like the Harden thing is just so up in the air right now that it's hard to project the Sixers to do anything. And you add on obviously the playoff shortcomings that they kind of have, and it feels like a lot of like some of it is definitely unlucky, but it doesn't feel like all of it is unlucky. It feels like there is some sort of you know like they do have some some issues within roster construction that I think limits them in the playoffs a little bit. Uh, Boston obviously like that team is really really good. They're loaded, like you mentioned. I mean, as good of a group of role players as you'll ever find. Obviously, Tatum and Brown and those guys. Like, they have three all-star level guys now adding Porzingis, you know, three top 50, 45 guys. Um, I think Miami, like, you kind of got to keep in the realm. Just, I mean, they just did it. You know, they just got to the finals. And sure, like, they didn't get a ton better, I guess. And that, that's fair. Uh, Significantly but they just, worse. Right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. They definitely didn't get better. But – I don't know. It just kind of happens that way. Once they get to the playoffs, like they didn't have hero last year for their playoff run. So, um, you know, things could, things could always just kind of go Miami's way. I feel like, um, another cool piece of the bucks now having these minutes is like the young guys. We haven't really gotten to see a ton of the bucks, young guys. Now maybe they have a chance, you know, Jackson, they just drafted or Bo champ. Like if somebody like that could step into a role, I think that that could be a fun little subplot for Milwaukee. Um, uh, but yeah, I think Boston, Boston and Boston and Cleveland, uh, are both probably the top two, except I don't know. Cleveland looked so bad in the playoffs last year. Like, yeah, I yeah. I mean, I was very high on Cleveland last year, and uh, I'm trying to be hesitant to not be as high on them this year. But um, like, I they feel like they have, make. yeah, and I feel like they have the best like matchup type because I feel like a pick and roll type team would be the best matchup for this new look Milwaukee team, and they have the guards and the bigs to be able to do that. But the thing well, is, is I, that last wing piece is going to always be an issue with Cleveland. We just don't know. So will Struess be the answers? Yeah. yeah the exactly. rebounding, man. Like, that's scary. Like, Mitchell Robinson absolutely dominated a series against mm-hmm. a team that had two bigs. Like, that was their thing. They have Allen and Mobley. Oh, my God. All this length and size down low. Like, and it just didn't matter against, like, Mitchell Robinson. You know what I mean? And it feels like that physicality that Mitchell Robinson brought, that's Giannis over here. You know? Like, yeah. It's Giannis Andre Kupo. Mm-hmm. Um, and AJ mentioned the Mobley shooting point, and Mobley could get there maybe one day. I, the thing I worry about with Mobley, like becoming like a spacer or do that team's respect, his jumper is so slow that you can close out on it no matter where you are. Like, I could I could be gapping him, you know, to hell. And if he's in the corner, I'm going to get that close out. Like, I'm going to get there by the time the ball is released. Um, but that's not to say that, you know, they can't do it. Mobley's obviously awesome, and the defense is going to be pretty good. Um, I just worry that they have too many pressure points to really contend with the teams that are more proven already. But, I mean, I hope they do because that is a fun team, no doubt. I just think uh, with competing with Milwaukee, you need guards that can run the pick and roll, yes, but also they need to be able to run the pick and roll with elite shooting in that pick and roll to bring Giannis or Brooke Lopez, the pick and roll defender, up uh, because Milwaukee, one thing with this trade is that in their championship run, they would play Bobby Portis at four um, and Giannis at five, and they would switch or get out to the level of the screen a lot more. Um, they're not really quite capable of those lineups anymore without Drew Holiday and pl- inserting Dame. Dame cannot switch uh, in the slightest. He has to guard the other team's worst player. So that's one thing that I think is really important when considering a Milwaukee playoff series is like, can Will they for will those guards force those uh, Milwaukee bigs to really get out on the floor? And if they do, then maybe you could expose them a little bit. I mean, it's still going to be tough because it's Giannis and Brooke Lopez, but it is yeah. also Brooke Lopez, age thirty seven, age thirty eight. Yeah, years. for sure. So and, uh, there's some things to consider as well. And yeah. he only plays like deep drop. So if yeah. a guy mm-hmm. like Mitchell gets hot again, like it's capable that a guy like Mitchell could have a really really good series against against 
the the Bucks. Now the Bucks have done a better job like last season as opposed to when they were on their playoff run taking away threes, running guys off the line. Like they used to be the thing, like they played boxes and elbows and kind of gave you a lot of threes and it was sort of against the grain. There was the, you know, everybody's egg. But now they're they sort of changed it up and they're trying not to allow so many threes. But I wonder how like not having Drew to navigate those screens affects how you know, good Brook can be in the deep drop, how how effective that defense can be because it felt like, you know, he Brooke was obviously awesome at it, and Giannis is obviously awesome at all, pretty much all aspects of defense. But Drew definitely makes their life easier, did, you know? Yeah, and we'll also see a lot with the new coaching too. So I'm really excited to yes. kind of like see it and uh, see how everything changes, you know. But let's move into the Blazers a little bit. So um, I mentioned it. They got Drew Holiday, DeAndre Aiden. Those are kind of the main pieces and then a lot of picks from this deal. They got three unprotected picks from the Bucks. Even the pick swaps are unprotected. So um, I'll start with AJ in this one. AJ, what do you see from the Blazers' perspective? You were telling me how much you love this team during the offseason, and now the Dame trade is finally complete. So talk to me a little bit about this Blazers team. Yeah, I love this team. I love Scoot Henderson. I love Shaden Sharp. I like DeAndre Aiden. I think DeAndre Aiden's actually going to be really good for the Blazers and specifically Scoot Henderson and his development as a pick and roll ball handler. Because uh, as Matt was saying earlier, he actually has a role partner now. Scoot Henderson does. Uh, I do not see Drew Holiday long for this roster. Uh, they will probably move him again. But I do believe that this is... Uh, Almost the best case scenario. This is far better than I thought they would do in a Damian Lillard trade. To end up with a starting caliber center who probably is overpaid by ten to fifteen million dollars, but you can live with that as a rebuilding team with your two best, your two most important players on rookie skill contracts. Uh, and then you also get to flip Drew Holiday again, which we, as we'll get into a little bit later, that they're going to get something for him, whether it's more picks or another young caliber. Uh, start to develop alongside these three young pieces that they now have. Uh, I think they're going to be not must watch TV because there's a lot of exciting stuff going on in the NBA, but I think this makes them a really fun watch to just watch Scoot Henderson. I'm extremely high on him. Uh, number one pick in most years drafts. Uh, it's absurd that the Charlotte Hornets picked Brandon Miller over him, but that's a different story for a different day. Uh, and I'm really excited to watch Scoot Henderson with the ball in his hands. Uh, and then also, let's not forget about these three picks that they got. 2028, 2029, unprotected, 2030, all pick swaps with the Bucks. Damian Lillard's last year of this contract it ends in the 2026 season, so or 2027 season. So the first year where Damian Lillard is free agent eligible, the next three years, the Portland Trailblazers own own Milwaukee Bucks draft. So they have a chance to end up with, like, those are very high upside picks. Who knows where Giannis will be? It's impossible to predict, but they're all unprotected. So they have a chance to get, like, three top five picks in a row if everything goes right for them and wrong for the Bucks. But um, so I think that, and that's all you can ask for is three picks with high upside. And, uh, I mean, who knows that we could see a Brooklyn Nets situation uh and you could see the Portland Trailblazers in the conference finals and then drafting in the top five uh, three years in a row. So I'm uh, I'm really high on this for Portland, A+. plus. All right, Matt, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I agree with most of, you know, everything that AJ just said. Those picks, like, Dame's going to be like 38, even if he is on the team. You know, like, he's 33 right now. Those picks are six, seven years. Like, he'll be 39, 40. Who knows if he's even playing basketball still? Um, and who knows where Giannis is. Like, this is so far down the road, things change so fast in the NBA. Those picks do have massive upside. I think that that is an underrated win for the Blazers in this trade, even if those picks end up just being, you know, massive pieces to the next trade. If, say, you know, he mentioned Scoot and Shaden and Simons and Aiden, all those guys, you know, grow into what we think that they can be, particularly Scoot, then this team is contending and they have extra picks to throw around to make the trade that they might need to push them over the top, you know? Um, And he... Like, like he just said, like Scoot is awesome. I think like everybody believes, or at least all of us believe, Jake, we talked pre-draft on this podcast, like Scoot absolutely can be a superstar. Like he can yep. be an all NBA caliber point guard. There's no doubt about it. His fit with Shaden Sharp, I think Shaden's awesome. I think that Shaden's got a decent amount of holes in his game and a lot of places that he can grow. I think he needs to become a better ball handler. Like he needs to become a more engaged defensive player. That's fair. He's super young. You know, he, he, last year he didn't, he didn't play basketball between high school and the NBA. 
You know what I mean? Like it was a massive jump for him. He has a ton of growth, a ton of room for growth. Um, and Aiton is, you know, as much as we can say, like, you know, Jokic killed him as much as we could say, like he looks disinterested in Phoenix. He did. And Jokic did kill him, but that's still like an above average starting center already. Like this is a guy that I think will help be like the, that release valve for guys like Shaden, for guys like Scoot, a guy that they can trust when they're running pick and roll, a guy that they can trust, you know, defensively, he's going to be behind them to some degree. He's not like a complete afterthought. He's a guy that offenses have to worry about. Like they have an NBA starting level center for their entire careers, basically, unless, you know, things change, which they could, but just Scoot gets to grow with a guy already, a guy that he can rely on already, a guy to screen for him already, you know, and not, not every guard, not every young guard has that. And I think that that could be important for him. And I think that it could lead to him being, you know, that sort of all-star caliber guard, even maybe a little bit quicker than we than we expect or than we're accustomed to seeing from a small guard like that. Because he is a small guard. He is 6'2". You think that there's a big learning curve and, like, the jumper's got to come for him to really hit. I don't know, man. Maybe, you know, this thing could, could get going rather quickly. And on the Drew front, you know, obviously they'll probably look to trade him because his timeline just doesn't make sense for what they want to do. Um, but also, like, they don't really have to rush. They don't have to trade him right now. They could wait till the trade deadline. Um, you know, maybe you don't want him taking a ball out of Scoot's hands, and I understand that. But also, like, we saw what Chris Paul did for the Thunder. You got to point to that a little bit when you look at what Shea Gotis Alexander has become. Um, and maybe Drew could be a little bit of that role. I just mentioned, you know, Scoot and Shaden, I think a lot that hinders on, you know, a sort of small backcourt becoming championship caliber is what they can do defensively because I think that that's the first area that you circle when you see a backcourt like that I mean obviously Drew is as good as anybody in this era as a guard defender and he's not particularly big um, or I guess particularly strong but he's not particularly tall or lengthy or anything like that so you know I think that he could be a good mentor for this guys even if he is only there for 40 games you know so I, I like I like to move from the Blazers perspective quite a bit yeah I, I mean I agree with that 100% like I think you guys nailed home the main points and the thing with uh we just don't know about drew holiday like there's a lot you don't know right now they're definitely going to trade him that's definitely what's been told Woj reported that um and we'll get into some of those trades and what we think will happen there later i think aiden's going to be a solid fit with scoot like to add on to what you were saying i think he's going to do really well in the pick and roll with scoot which will be a huge thing for him uh aiden's Aiden's kind of smart about like where he places himself in the pick and roll. And I think that'll be good for Scoot to have some space in order to work like by himself and get to his mid range or get to the basket or even like dump it off for an alley oop or something like that. I mean, Aiden might not dunk it. He's not really known for his dunks, but uh, he'll lay it in for he or might, something. He might, he might fall the <laughs> late jumper. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. But, um, I mean, like looking at the rest of the team, like I think Jeremy Grant's going to be a solid fit with that right away. I mean, he'll just take as many shots as he wants. You know, the guy's <laughs> going to be a scorer. He's going to yeah. be a scorer on this team. Um, and like, there's no expectations. There's no expectations right. now. Like how, that's huge for rookies. Like he's going to have all the time he needs to develop. And I think this will be huge for him. And I'm actually really excited to watch them blazers again. Like you just didn't know what they were going to do with this Dame trade. And now we have finally have some answers and it's really cool. So I'm really looking forward to see where their timeline is with the drew holiday thing. And overall, like, a lot of this I'm just so excited to see because then we'll get more answers. And the mm-hmm. NBA season is right around the corner, so we're getting there. Yeah. So I'm I'm absolutely pumped for it. I'm excited. Hello, hello. This is Giovanni Mosheri. You might have heard me a couple times on Jake's Takes. I am the sports media director of Oakland University's campus radio station, WXOU, and I've been the host for about two years of a weekly sports show called The Jomo Show, where we cover all of Oakland University athletics, including a weekly update on scores and highlights, as well as interviews with athletes or those otherwise involved in athletics. You can listen to The Jomo Show live on WXOU Thursdays at 6, or you can tune in to me afterwards on Spotify. It's The Jomo Show. All right, let's move Whoa. into the Suns aspect of the trade. Let's start that with the Suns aspect of the trade. We got to talk about what they got. Again, in this trade, they got Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. 
So those were the four assets they got they got out of the trade, kind of building that depth a little bit. So Matt, talk to me a little bit about the Suns aspect and yeah, what you see from uh, them. Hmm. I'll be honest. I think they got worse. Uh, I don't. I don't think Yusuf Nurkic is a starting level center anymore. Um, I legit thought, like I, I said this on radio a couple times, like he's the worst starting center in the league, probably. Um, and I, you know, that doesn't change now. He's just getting older. Um, he's really bad defensively, like really, really bad. There's not really a coverage that you feel super comfortable with him in. Now, maybe Vogel can extract something out of that because he's going to need to. Like Vogel's definitely got his work cut out and trying to make this defense like passable at the least um and you know offensively he's a decent passer and screener I guess but outside of that like you don't really want him like passing him he drops the ball a lot he has really really bad hands he's really bad around the rim um he's a pretty good offensive rebounder which I guess counteracts that a little bit but oftentimes he's just offensive rebounding his own missed layups um that a better center would have made so I don't know. I don't think he's a starting caliber center by any stretch, uh, regardless of how you feel about DeAndre Ayton. I know a lot of people are super low on him and I get it, but even if you are that low on him, he's absolutely better than Yusuf Nurkic in my opinion. Um, outside of that, uh, they did add some depth, which is nice. Um, you know, Nazir Little is a guy that can play. Like, I guess that's how I would say Like he's, he's probably a competent, like ninth guys, like a small ball four, I guess is how you would use him. Um, you know, Keon Johnson's an end of the bench guy, like a super athletic dude. Um, yeah, I, yeah, they got and, and Grayson Allen's a good a good role player. Grayson Allen's a good rotational player. Like he could very much so vie for being like the guy that they go to as like the fifth dude, I guess. With like the if you assume that you know Durant and Booker and uh, Beal and Nurkic are starting, then he's he's the fifth guy, I think probably. Um, he's you know over forty. I think he was forty one percent from three last year. Like he's a competent defensive player, and he's like a. a He's not nothing, you know, like he's definitely an addition that is important for them. I feel a little bit worse about the Suns now, now that they, now that Nurkic is kind of the guy that they have to rely on as the big Jokic always kills Nurkic. So you can't even say, Hey, we got a big body to throw at Jokic. It feels like Jokic takes those, those Balkans matchups personally. When he sees another European, he kind of gets blood in his eyes. And I think that Nurkic is the biggest example of that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't f- I don't feel great about it for the Suns. They're definitely still contenders. Like they still have you know as good of a, a top three as anybody in the league. But I, I, I didn't like it from their perspective, basketball wise. I thought they got worse. Uh, the only explanation is like DeAndre Ayton was so toxic in the locker room, and Devin right. Booker and Kevin Durant just did not want to play with him again. But I'm just I'm confused. Like Matt was saying, Nurkic is not good at basketball at an NBA scale. Um, and I think like Grayson Allen and Nasir Little, like on their own, they're fine players. Nasir Little's like fine, but is he better than uh, Kita beats D up? No, Kita beats job. Yeah, I, I think he's better than him. I think uh, Eric Gordon's better than Grayson Allen. I would say Damian Lee's just as good as I, I'm just, I, I don't understand necessarily why they did it. Um, being big wins in the regular season. Aiton's big and he's like good enough to play, especially in the regular season. And I think he's like, there's at least a chance that he's good in the playoffs. I don't think there's any chance that Yusuf Nurkic is good in the playoffs. I don't like it. I think they got a lot worse. This seemed like a little bit of a money saving move in my opinion. And I don't think this Nurkic deal is movable. Um, they don't have the draft equity to really entice some entice somebody to take it. Um, so I think they're kind of just like on the book for him for three more years. It's it's no longer than Aiton's contract is now. So it's not like you can even make the argument of like, oh, we're going to get out of him a year earlier. I don't think that has too big of an impact on HBS checkbook. Um, it's not a move I would make. I It really brings down their offseason. I had their offseason graded pretty highly, like B plus, A minus range. I think this brings it down to like a B minus because I just don't see what they're going to do at the center position. It's not like they got draft capital to go get somebody better. Um, I mean, maybe they do like, who knows the trade market's weird. Sometimes you get more for a couple seconds than normal, but um, they can't, they can't sign buy buyout guys this year. So uh, I, I really struggle to see where they're uh, coming in at the five and somebody to guard Nicole Jokic. Nicole Jokic didn't exist. Sure. I understand this move three years ago, but um He's going to be right in their way, and it's going to be really tough for them to get by him unless they score 150 points a game, which is not out of the realm of possibility with this team. 
Yeah. I mean, uh, the centers I have that they have right now is Nurkic, Bull Bull, Bismack Biombo, and Azubuke. So those are the okay. four centers. I didn't realize right they had Azubuke. Yeah. So those are the four centers right now. And I mean, you're telling me you're going to rely on like Bull Bull, Bismack Biombo? Like, come on. No. They're no. so bad. That's yeah. <laughs> the mean, worst. That has they, to be I mean, the worst center. They do have. Tough. They do have Drew Eubanks. Yeah, but that's who I was going to get to. That's who I was going to get to. I'd play him over Nurkic. I mean, they were they were together for a little bit before, but like I'd rather like I live defensively. I'd rather just switch Eubanks onto whoever than have Nurkic playing drop. Like personally, you know, I'd rather have Eubanks switch one through five. He can't guard Jokic. He's too small. Um, or like like he can't bother Jokic. Obviously, nobody can guard him, but he can't even really Didn't make Jokic way. think about anything. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, but like, yeah, I, I roll Eubanks at the five personally. I don't think that's what they're gonna do. I doubt that they would have made this move if that's what they were gonna do. Um, I guess like trying to see it from their perspective, or like trying to see what they're saying. Like I saw Steve Jones talk about this a little bit too, and just like, hey, maybe Vogel or like Aiton could have just been like, hey, it, we have to move on from him. Like we can't have him around. It feels like that that is the most likely situation, right? Um, and Vogel maybe, hey, like we've got a we've got a body in Nurkic who's a vet who like knows what he's doing, and you know he's a guy who will be where I tell him to be whenever I want him to be, and he's not going to ask for touches. Maybe to to him that like weighs that that matters more. Like that's more impactful than what Aiton, you know, how much more talented Aiton might be. Um, I don't see it that way, but I guess that that'd probably be their perspective. And like AJ mentioned, like they save money. And I mean, it's stupid to me. Like if you're contending, you can't be doing stuff just to save money. Um, but you know, if that's what it is and that's what it is, um, we don't know what's going on in the locker room. Maybe Aiden was that toxic, but just from a basketball perspective, it makes close to no sense for me. I don't think the depth, the additions as depth pieces are as important as having a guy that you can rely on um, play the five. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely an interesting move. The one thing I like about it is it adds shooting a little bit with Grayson Allen. Um, I do think that's going to be helpful for them. Uh, shooting, you know, shooting's huge, especially when it comes down to playoff time. Like you got to have those shooters. And um, I think Grayson Allen off the bench will be a key piece there just to help with that aspect of it. I mean, you still got some shooting on the roster. I mean, clearly with a Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, Damian Lee, all those guys that that can shoot it a little bit. But for the Suns, it was a problem last year. I mean, the shooting was a little bit of a problem other than KD and Devin Booker. And now they've assessed some of those issues. I'm yeah. I'm still looking forward to it. Um, I agree with you guys a lot, thinking that they got a little worse from this. But, I mean, I also do think it was partly that Aiden thing where it was some trouble in the locker room, and that's kind of what happens. Like, sometimes you just got to get those guys out of there. And I think for Aiden, this is going to be a fresh start. I mean, we talked about it on the Blazers segment. Like, this is probably good for Aiden, and it's probably good for the Suns Absolutely. too, you know? So, um, I think this is going to end up being really good for all sides here. I mean, I'm not grading it too badly for the Suns because I'm kind of relying on what they did in the offseason, and I think what they did in the offseason was great. So um, I'm still not grading it too badly, but overall this was the best trade for Damian Lillard that I think anybody could have ever come up with because like what we were talking about was like Tyler Hero and some stuff from Miami, and then we come up with this, you know? So overall, mm -hmm. I think this trade was unbelievable. Are there any last thoughts before we get into some Drew Holiday trades? I mean, I think like my last thoughts, one is like, are like the Raptors and Heat were both sort of circled around this. I mean, are they just like kind of like, are they just cowards, just not willing to pull the trigger? It feels like of all the 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 sort of GM or the front offices in the league, I don't know why. Like, obviously, I'm not the one talking to them, but it feels like those two must be super difficult to work with. Because you're telling me the Raptors couldn't have matched this offer at all. You're telling me that he couldn't have matched this offer in any way. Like, that just surprises me to a degree. Because it's not like the Blazers got like a crazy haul here. Um, and it feels like Miami is legit one move away from being right back into title contention without a doubt if they get a guy like Damian Lillard. It feels like, you know, the Raptors are putting themselves in the mix at the very least if they get a guy like Damian Lillard. It feels like that would solve a lot. You know, Pascal makes a lot more sense as a two. And then you got Scotty as like a three or a four. Like, it feels like that kind of realigns their roster in a way that makes them a threat in the East to a degree. And for whatever reason, none of those teams wanted to pull a trigger and Milwaukee was just like, Hey, I guess we'll take them. That's what it feels like happened to me. Um, I do want to ask though, like, wh where do you see the Suns in the West now? Like, or like, where'd you have them before? Did this change sort of your Western conference hierarchy? 
I had I had uh, the Nuggets as the clear one. I think they deserved mm-hmm. that after last year. That's I would have gone, uh, and then they would have been in the like next tier down with mm-hmm. a couple other teams. They would be with like the Lakers, the Warriors. Uh, I would I would even put Memphis there. I think Memphis is really good as soon as they get Stephen Adams back and uh, Ja after his suspension. And then I would also put. Uh, I, I'm a Luka Doncic fan. I will continue to be a Luka Doncic fan. I think they're going to be uh, sneaky, good, and competitive because he could be the best play- player in any given playoff series. So I would, I would put, and I would move them down in that tier. But there's, they still have, they could have two, like either KD or Devin Booker could be the best player in a playoff series for any given playoff round. Oh, and the Minnesota Timberwolves, I love them, but. Um, so I would still leave them in that tier solely for the reason, though, that they uh, they could have the best playoff player in a series, and they have two options of that in KD and Devin Booker. So I leave them in that tier, but I just – the main reason why I dislike this move is because of the existence of Nikola Jokic. And, um, and for that reason alone, like, it moves them down a notch of their chances of winning the Western Conference, in my opinion that's fair that's fair i mean for me for me i'm still pretty high on this team i like them um i think i think it clearly puts them a little down which is fair because aiden is just such a talent and they didn't they got a lot of depth but not like the talent back and that big position is just tough i mean you guys talked about nurkic and those are my thoughts on nurkic perfectly too like i i don't think he's very good um and i mean i'd have to put him in the Lakers tier. I think the Lakers and the Suns are probably like the clear. You could put them any order you want, two, three, uh, behind the Nuggets. And I mean, those are kind of my top three in the West, clearly, which we would be the Nuggets and then Lakers or um Suns, wherever you really want to put it. I think Golden State's knocking on that door, not there yet. But um, you know, like overall, I think. For the three teams, I mean, it's the best you could do uh, for almost everything. I think the Suns could have gotten a little more, but overall, I don't hate it for the Suns. And, you know, it was a great trade. It was an awesome trade. I'm pumped yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah, right. I think I think, uh, I think, think I'd have the Suns – I think I'd have them clearly under Golden State and the Lakers probably. Okay. Like That's with Memphis and Minnesota because – there's just, like, don't get me wrong, they have three stars, and you're right, Devin Booker and Kevin Durant could be the best player in any given game or series. Um, and both of those guys are, you know, at least top 10 adjacent. Like, they're knocking on the door top 10. I don't have a list in front of me, but both of those guys are in the realm, and that's usually enough, especially when you add in Bradley Beal, who's, like, all-star or, like, top 40 or whatever, top 50. Um, I just feel like, one, it's a little bit redundant. Like, they're still missing so much, it feels like. Like, it's a little bit shallow to a degree. Obviously, they have the scores. But then you look at the rest of the roster, it doesn't feel like, like, do you trust their defense to be any good? No, they're missing passing and defense. I was going to say, do you trust their defense to be any good? Do you trust, like, the playmaking that they have? Because I don't really trust either. And I think that both those things are obviously very important, particularly defensively. Like, that's kind of where I am with the Mavericks, too, just defensively, I'm saying. Like, I don't I don't know if I trust them to be, you know, a top 12 defense in the league quite, quite yet. And I feel like that's kind of what you got to be to contend to a degree. Um or at least be able to notch it up to that level. I don't think the yeah. other team really has yeah. that sort of turbo. Um, and that's, I think, where I'm at with the Suns. I feel like maybe with Aiton, I could have believed that the defense would be okay because, like, Booker has gotten better. And Durant definitely has his his moments as a really good defender, his stretches, his weeks. Um, and, you know, Beal has completely lost it. But early in Washington, I think a lot of people considered him a pretty good defender. Um, so maybe he, people believe he, in that, but – it's Beal been may, bad lately. Yeah, but he may go back to being a good defender now that he's on a team that's Maybe. worth something. So that it's right. always possible. And he has less he has less to worry about on yes. offense also which could help. Um I guess like that that both could be true but also like so then you're just expecting them to outscore teams. And this is where I worry about them with like the Mavericks who you're also kind of expecting to outscore teams. The Suns aren't built to like shoot a lot of threes. Like they're not going to win the math game necessarily. Like they're going to live in the mid-range and be the best team in the mid-range, don't be wrong, Kevin Durant, maybe the best mid-range core ever. But 
at the end of the day, if you're taking a bunch of those, you know, the team's taking a bunch of threes, guess who's going to win four out of seven times, you know? Like, there's a yeah. reason that teams take a lot of threes. So that's where I'm at with the Suns. I think, like, I don't know, the more I think about it, I think the lower I get on the Suns. Now, I could watch them play and be like, man, this this offense is beautiful. This is harmonious. Like, there's nothing that you can do to stop this team. Like, they are absolutely contender. I don't think that that's out of the realm. But right now, I, I don't know if I, if I see them really that level, like Golden State level. Obviously not the Nuggets, but not even like Golden State, Los Angeles. Level. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, again, a lot of this will be answered when we start getting yeah. games. So I'm super pumped for it. Um, let's get to some Drew Holiday trades. So AJ, you were kind enough to kind of make up some trades, uh, and you really wanted to get in on the trades. So talk to me a little bit about like what you what you kind of came up with, uh, thinking about Drew Holiday and some trades. Okay, so I basically, the first thing I did, fake trades also may be the greatest thing in the world to talk about <laughs> um, because they're all fake, so you can't say that I'm crazy. Um, but you basically, the thing about the beautiful thing about Drew Holiday is that, well, number one, he's awesome. He's so fun to watch. He will, like, sometimes he just chooses to ruin somebody's night, and he absolutely ruins it, and it's awesome to watch. Every, every team in the NBA could use a Drew Holiday, every single team. Do not care. So literally, you look at the teams, every team would be interested or at least make a call. Now, like probably 15 of those teams will be like, all right, we want to play our young guys or it's too soon to make our all in move. But basically, you look around the league and you could make an argument that 10 teams should be in this bidding war. So I expect the Trailblazers to end up getting a decent amount for it. But um, I just want to take you through a couple. So the first one, the first team. So I'm just going to name the trade or come close to the matching salary of the trade. And then, like, we could just do, like, a quick brief opinion on it um, for why this would work for whatever team, whatever. And then I'll move to the next team. I probably got, like, five or five teams. So the first one, let's start at the top of the Eastern Conference last year um, in regular season-wise, the Boston Celtics. Um, this would give them a closing lineup of Drew Holiday, Derek White, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and then L. Horford or Robert Williams or Porzingis, Porzingis. But it would basically be Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, or Robert Williams or L. Horford, whoever you choose. And then uh, uh, Jordan Walsh and Peyton Pritchard, and then two first-round picks, one being the 2024 – 2024 golden state pick that's protected one to four and then like an unprotected Celtics pick in 2026 or 2027. What do you guys think about that? First, first thought is I don't think the Celtics would give up that much to be honest. Like Drew is awesome. Okay. Leave Peyton um, Pritchard out of it then leave Pritchard. out. Nah, he wasn't to a problem. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I mean, if you're the Blazers, I think you accept this immediately. I'll say that much like Walsh is such an awesome fit with the guys that they currently have, or like what we think Jordan Walsh should be is like a really good quick decision maker and awesome defensive player right out of the gate. Really. I think that he'd be a really fun, a really fun um, addition next to like the guys like Shaden and Simons and uh, Scoot, obviously who are really good offensively and can make a bunch and, you know, can score for themselves, but maybe not quite there defensively. Walsh would be a fun, a fun guy to add to that mix. But I'd be surprised if Drew went for quite that much where it's like multiple effective rotational players. Like Al Horford's really good, I think, and Brogdon, sixth man of the year, and like, you know, picks and like medical concerns with Brogdon. Just drafted, for sure, for sure. But also, like, I don't know. I get Drew's getting up there. Drew just shot like 47 true shooting this playoffs. He had a stinker last playoffs too. Like this is two straight playoff runs where Drew didn't quite really play to the level that you would hope if you're a contending team by any stretch of the imagination. Um, and like, if you're the Celtics, aren't you looking at it? And it's just like, we kind of have Derek White, you know, like we kind of have Derek have White. Two. Why would we, why would we, throw, why would we throw out, you know, the depth that we have at big, like all these different ways we could go a bit like Horford and Robert Williams and Kristaps, they all add so much different stuff to the mix. I'd be surprised if they kind of threw it away for Drew. I'm not going to say it's impossible because when you can add a star like Drew, a team like the Celtics would be all over it. I'd be surprised if it was quite this much though. Um, but that's not a that's not a bad idea. I think Drew in, in Boston would be fun. I just don't know how much he really adds as far as what they need. Personally, Jake. Yeah. Um. I mean, I kind of agree with Matt. I I just don't think Boston's gonna 
end up like wanting to go all in on a guy when they already have two guys in Tatum and Brown. And like you can argue, yes, they haven't taken that next step, which that's next step is uh championship. But there's so many ways that this team can do stuff and they've already made their move. Their move was Christoph Porzingis, you know, and um, I'm sure they want to see how that stuff fits together. And maybe this would be a better trade come trade deadline when they've seen the team and they don't like it as much. And they're like, Oh, we don't need three bigs. Let's trade one of them. And let's, let's throw all in for someone. I think this would be much better, like around that trade deadline aspect, but um. I just don't know if they'd want to go all in for a guy like Drew Holiday when they do have Derek White. And um, I feel like there's just going to be other teams that want Drew Holiday now and go after him. And I'm sure you're going to get to that. So um, I'm kind of I'm kind of in the phase where Boston's not in the phase where they're all in yet, but they could be around the trade deadline. Very fair. I, the the only reason why one of those bigs, Robert Williams or Al Horford has to be in it is for matching salary. That's the only problem with it. Uh, I, I think I would lean your guys' way, but, um, so the 76ers will definitely be interested. However, we will talk, we'll come back to them because basically their trade revolves around a three-way trade with James Harden because their number is 1 million dollars apart which is nothing in the nba so we will come back to them um the next team that i thought of oh also with drew holiday one interesting storyline to keep in mind here is he has a player option for this year Mm -hmm. so basically he will almost be able to get to choose like his destination um because like part of trading for him you would assume is that like the team gets to resign him so he would have the influence on where he goes um so the miami heat they missed out on Damian Lillard. You can still get Drew Holiday. They still don't have a point guard. They lost Gabe Vincent. Um, so, yes, basically the trade would be Kyle Lowry, Hami Hakez, and Nikola Jovic, and a pick. Pick or two, depending on how the bidding war gets up to. What do you guys yeah. think? Quick thoughts, quick thoughts, because there's a couple of these we need. Hey, to okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> quickly, I, I think – like that trade definitely could make sense. I think again, if you're the Blazers, you're smashing except on that to me. Um, I think Jovic is like super sick. Maybe it's because I watched FIBA and he was a monster for Serbia. Um, like six ten with that handle and that athleticism and that fluidity is pretty wild. Um, and Hakez looked really, really good in summer league. It almost feels like Hakez will be more successful in Miami than anywhere else he goes. I get that Agreed. vibe for what it's worth. Um so I don't know. I think like Miami, again, you're in a win now mood move. It feels like you're falling behind the Eastern. Co- you have an Eastern conference teams a little bit, particularly the bucks, obviously um, as time goes on and you're not making moves, you're sort of, you know, deteriorating to some degree and everybody else is getting better. Um, so I, I would get why the heat would, would try and make that, make that deal. But also like they were hesitant to use Jovic to get Dane, you know, that's, or at least that's kind of what it was reported like. So, you know, I, it worries me, I guess, a little bit, but I could see that move for both teams for sure. And I think that it would probably benefit both teams quite a bit. Although, I mean, if Jovic turns into like a dog, then I guess if you're the Heat, you'd say you lost the trade. Yes. Yeah. Jake? Um. My quick thoughts is if they like Jamal Kane enough, they might be willing to <laughs> trade Jovic. So, um, you know, like, point. I don't know. I mean, I think overall for both those teams, it would really work. Um, Drew, like... Looking at the Heat's offseason, it was like it seemed like they were preparing to go get Damian Lillard because they didn't really go after Gabe Vincent that much. They didn't go after Max Struess. You know, it's it was like, okay, then they got to do something, right? And they didn't really end up doing anything. So I feel like this would make sense to kind of put all the chips in and go after him. Um, I'm sure they're going to need time to see how this team fits together and see if they can make a playoff push like they did last year. I'm sure Um, I could see them seeing how training camp goes and then being like, okay, this is what uh, if it's either going to work or it's not going to work and then go after it. Um, A lot of these, I mean, my point basically this whole podcast has been, they need to see how these teams fits together first because free agency just happened and there was a lot of switches. So, you know, there's a lot of changes with these teams and they're not really sure how it's going to fit in. Uh, That's why this is weird timing talking about it. But overall, I think this is a great mock trade. I think this benefits both teams perfectly and would definitely be an interesting one if it happened. All right. Next team up. 
Los Angeles Clippers. And now okay. the Clippers, I'm going to give you guys an option at the end, but let's talk about Drew Holiday first. Okay. Uh, it could be Terrence Mann, who I think has to be in it. Uh, Robert Covington, Marcus Morris, and a 2028 20, first round pick unprotected. I'll say I think that this is the weakest offer by far. All right, added um, twenty twenty eight unprotected and a twenty thirty top ten protected. I don't know how much a twenty thirty top ten protected is Fair. moving people, but like, you know, I I wouldn't do this if I were the Blazers. Probably, I don't think that that's enough. I like Terrence Mann. Um, he's a fake young guy. He's like twenty seven or twenty eight already. I'm pretty sure. Um, but yeah, I, I'm he's twenty six. Okay, but like, I feel like people talk about him like he's twenty two or yes. twenty three. Um. I like him. He's a good player and he's really like versatile and stuff. And I really like what he brings to the table. I wish that he played more for the Clippers. Like he played point guard for them for stretches last season. He can obviously play on the wing. Like he's, he's a pretty sick player, but again, that's just a role player. And then like Rocco and more like none of They're those expiring. guys. They're expiring deals. So you get cap space. And okay. Yeah. Future fair. Summers would be the, fair idea. it's either them or Norm Powell. And I assume that they would rather take cap space over another six, three guard. Yeah. yeah, that's probably true. Nor probably get you a bucket, though. But, yeah, I, uh, I that's probably fair that they would take the cap space. I don't think that that's enough. They probably want, like, real assets to a degree as opposed to just cap space for Drew Holiday. Um, but I guess if, that, like, this was the only offer on the table, then it is what it is. If I would imagine they could get something better. What if it's 2028 unprotected and 2030 unprotected for the loss? I mean, that helps. That helps. I guess I wonder how many GMs would care about a a, a first round pick like seven years into the future when you don't even know if you'll be on a team. Really. Fair. Like yeah. you don't even know if that'll be your job. Fair. So, I don't know. Jake? That's where I'd probably yeah, be. I mean, I feel like if I'm the Blazers, I'm looking for more young pieces, you know, and the Clippers just can't really provide that for me. Um, I just don't and I don't really love the fit for Holiday with the Clippers because it's like defensively they would be so so good but they're like offensively what is it just Kawhi and like some russell westbrook off the bench paul george paul george. i mean, I mean paul, paul george yeah, yeah they, i mean paul george is paul george is there too and that's Kennard. not nothing 100 percent on the grizzlies but i mean oh, yeah, we yeah, yeah. we've seen it like it's just been tough for the clippers um offensively and even defensively at times like in the playoffs they just haven't had it and I just don't know if this is enough to get Drew Holiday. Um, I mean, even with the two picks, it's like, I mean, I'm sure the Blazers would love ha having those assets, but I feel like they're, now they're looking for more young pieces and like now they have a lot of the picks. So they're trying to kind of build a young core in order to do it. And I just don't think the Clippers can provide that. Very fair. So we will get to a team with young players in a second. But now we're going to trade Drew Holiday to the 76ers. James Harden's going to go to the Clippers. And we're going to, it, just to make this deal more favorable, we're going to say 2028 20, and 2030 unprotected picks with a unprotected pick swap in 29. So three unprotected picks for James Harden, expiring deals, and Terrence Mann going to the Blazers. The Blazers are trading out Drew Holiday. He is going to the Sixers. And James Harden is going from the Sixers to the Clippers. Do you like that fit any better for the Clippers? Do you think the Blazers are getting enough? And then what would Drew Holiday look like in replacement of James Harden? Uh, Jake, why don't you start this time? Um, I mean, I like this a little more like fit-wise everywhere. I mean, James Harden with the Clippers, again, like – Provides a little more offense, which I think would help the Clippers. And then he fits Drew, into their switching scheme as well. Defense. Yeah. But yeah, continue. He, he would. Um, I mean, I think this fits a lot better. I I just think this is a little bit of a stretch, and I don't think it's gonna really happen. I don't think the Clippers want James Harden that much. A lot of people don't want James Harden. I mean, he was on the Fair. he was he was in the open air for a while and nobody called to ask for him. So like I think this is a solid idea and I love the trade idea. I don't think it's gonna happen though. Uh sadly, even though I'd love to see James Harden like add another team to his uh what what <laughs> it would be like his sixth team or something, something crazy. But um I mean overall I don't think it would happen, but it's a great idea. I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um it'd be fun. 
you know, there'd be like a lot to talk about. Um, and Drew back on the Sixers would be cool, I think. Like, I feel like a lot of people feel like that team misses, is missing like some attitude and he would provide that. But great matchup for Damian end, Lillard as well. True. Yeah. Good matchup for Dame. Um, I just like, honestly, I don't think the Sixers get better personally. Like, I don't think the Sixers get better replacing Harden with Drew based on what they each were last season based on what I think that the Sixers kind of need or what they like. They need a guy that can carry a bit of a load offensively. I think they need a guy that could get favorable, get and be the favorable spots. I think Harden did a really good job of that last season. Now, obviously there's the playoff failures for Harden and what he does defensively. Those are both bad, but now we've got playoff failures for Drew a couple years in a row. And, could that, um, could that not be Tyrese Maxey though? Not like Harden though. Not you not know? exactly like Harden. It would be a different way for sure. But I, could, I, he, I just could you just increase Maxi, insert Drew, and would that equal you a similar try. offensive output, but increase? You the could defense? try. You could try. I I don't think so. Just because, like, I don't know the Maxi on ball stuff last year. Like when Harden was out, wasn't like great to me. I haven't looked at the numbers into it like in a long time, probably, or like I don't know them off the top of my head. But just watching, it never felt like that really was something that clicked for him yet. Like that felt like it was something that would need to take some time. And they're obviously contending right now. They have Embiid, and how long is Embiid going to be really good? We don't know, but he's obviously very good right now. Um, and I just don't know that that fit around Embiid makes a ton of sense. Maybe the defense just becomes so good with Embiid at the rim and, you know, obviously Drew Holiday out there and they have Melton and Tucker. Like they have a bunch of guys that can really, really defend. Um, maybe that can get to the level where the offensive sort of can get capabilities yeah. with their moves. Yeah, maybe they can get by. I don't think that it'd be enough to like beat the Bucks because I feel like the Bucks are going to light up the scoreboard to a degree that is really kind of hard to comprehend based on what they've been. But um, yeah, I, I don't necessarily love it. I think Harden on the Clippers is kind of weird too. Um, you mentioned like maybe he fits in a little bit better defensively with them. And maybe that's true. I, Harden is a hard thing to gauge right now. I think um, I still think he's a really good player and probably will be pretty productive if he's playing on a team that he wants to be on next season. But I think that it's, I don't know, you throw anything on the Clippers and it feels like it's just bulky weird. Me, maybe because they never play. Um, but, <laughs> Fair. Yeah, I don't know. That's All right. Last one for you guys. This is my favorite one personally. We're going to go to the Golden State Warriors, and we're going to trade Chris Paul, his expiring deal, and Jonathan Kuminga. And now you could add in like a Pajemski or something as well um, yes. in place of one of the picks, your choice. But And then two first-round picks. So it's Chris Paul, Jonathan Kuminga, a 2026 unprotected, a 2028 top three, top four protected. What do you guys think? Please don't do this to Chris Paul again. <laughs> He's finally, I, I feel like we can win a ring. Please don't send him to, to Portland. I, I need my. He would get bought out. I get a chance. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, but none of the good teams can can get buyouts anymore. Lakers no, can. I, um, Lakers can. Oh, I like that. It's funny though. Like when, when Drew got traded initially. Now I haven't listened to anything or read anything about the trade yeah. since. So I don't know if this has been like a a hot topic or like if this rumor has been floated around or this trade has been floated around. But my first thought was Kumi. I was like, just yep. in a vacuum, like what team has a young wing that would make sense on the Blazers that could use a guy like Drew right away? And the Warriors, yeah, that makes a ton of sense to me. And Pajemski's awesome. Jake, last time I was on the podcast, I talked a lot about Pajemski before the draft and how much I like him. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that still rings true. Yeah, I, I don't want to do it to Chris Paul. I don't know if they do it to Chris Paul after they like just got him. Maybe they would, I guess. Who cares, right? But well, one um, one theory I've heard with uh, the whole reason of trading for Chris Paul was just for the salary slot. Uh, they they think that teams around the league feel better about Chris Paul's expiring deal than Jordan Poole's. So that's just an idea that's been floated around. Mm-hmm. We'll see whether okay. it's true or not, but it's just an idea that's floating around. Yeah, that makes sense. In that case, I think that the deal makes a decent amount of sense. I don't know. I, I'm curious. I wonder what the sort of – or like where teams are on Kuminga because so much of it is still just like theoretical. theoretical. Yeah. Um, ah, see, that's why we're that's why we're friends, right? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I agree. Like – I don't know. I don't know how high I am on Kuminga at this point. He definitely posted his film. I don't know how high I am at, on Kuminga at this point because we still just haven't seen it for like very much time at all. And he's like, he's entering like, you know, it's been years that he's been in the league at this point. Like it's been multiple seasons that he's been on the Warriors and we just haven't really gotten anything to really gauge off of outside of just like this 
unreal athlete that's pretty coordinated and things of that nature. Um, so, yeah, I think that it's it's something that the Blazers should definitely talk about, and it makes sense theoretically. But, again, everything with Jonathan Kaminga is theoretical. And I would also imagine that they would have their choice between Moses Moody or Kaminga. So, I think I'd go Moody. But I would, I would probably go Moody. Kinda, well, but. Kuminga kind of makes more sense just like roster construction wise to a degree. Cause it feels like, like the three, four hybrid is more what they need or like, like the big wing sort of like the big wing stopper is what they need yeah. as opposed to Moody. Who's a little bit smaller. Go ahead, Jake. What do you think? Yeah. I mean, like, I think this is a solid trade. I mean, if you guys know me, I'm a big Kuminga guy. <laughs> I liked Kuminga right out of the draft. I was very high. What's his him. nickname uh, again, Jake? Uh, I don't even know. I don't know. his oh, nickname. Okay. But, uh, I mean, he's I, – I like him. I mean, he hasn't been great on the Warriors. But um, I wouldn't mind this trade. I mean, it's good for roster construction. I mean, I think I think if I'm the Blazers trading Drew Holiday, I'd like a little more because and it's you like – And it in two first? Yeah, but, I mean, I, I that's a decent old? amount. But I, Yeah, I don't know how many firsts they'll get. Yeah. I, I don't know. This Drew Holiday thing, it's weird to gauge, like, how much he's worth, you know? And um, I really don't know. I don't know if they're going to be high enough on Kuminga in order to do that. I do kind of like your moody moody projection, but I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Like, I'm very excited for it overall, you know? I think, I think this would vault the Warriors into the Nuggets tier. I, I mean, agree. You think about it, their closing lineup would be Steph, Drew, Clay, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond. God. With Looney, with like the option of Looney over probably, I guess it would be Clay. But um I I mean I think and then you have Moody and Pajenski and whatever you have left over, Dario Sarge would still be around. Like I think I think this would vault them right into the Nuggets tier. Um, so that's why I think the I think I would do it. Uh, from the Warriors, I would let them have their pick of one prospect and two picks um, because I think this gives them a 10% chance to win the title, 15% chance to win the title. And when you have that chance with Steph Curry on your roster, I think you go for it. But that's just me personally. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, guys, this was a great podcast, an emergency podcast for the Damian Lillard trade. I was pumped to do this. So thank you guys for joining the show. This was a lot of fun. Of course. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us, man. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, that is going to wrap up Jake's takes for today, and we'll see you next time. Peace.